Hey y'all, and welcome to The Hill Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. We pray that this podcast will encourage you, will deepen your faith, and will inspire you to make Jesus famous. Let's dive into the message. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, you guys can be seated. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. You guys picked an amazing day to come today. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. Let's give them a round of applause, yeah! You guys are awesome, you are rock stars. I hope you are spoiled and pampered today. We love you all so much. Well, you guys are in for a treat today. I have a very special speaker, preacher today. Megan, would you join me? She is one of the, yes! The sweetest people I know. She's so kind. Her heart for others is amazing. One of the best moms I know. Um, I just love you so much. Beautiful. I could go on and on, but Megan, you are. I just love you so much, and I cannot wait to hear the word that you're bringing to all of us today. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. That was so sweet. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, one of my very favorite quotes about mothers is, the one who rocks the cradle rules the world. And that seems so insignificant to rock a cradle, but we definitely rule the world. Amen? Amen. So happy Mother's Day. And then I just want to give um, honor where honor is due to my husband. And every time I stand up here, I feel that weight and I feel that responsibility. And it's very heavy. So... I honor what you do for a living. It's amazing. And he's amazing at it, right? He's amazing. Amen. So I'm going to just, you know, every mom, every year, you know, the kids go to school and they, they get those questionnaires, those kind of funny little things, you know. And I get Briley's and I never know what to expect when I get anything of Briley's. So it starts out, my mom is 60 years old. Not a great start, but that's okay. We've got we've got some more wiggle room here. Uh, the second one is my mom's hair is pink and purple, and her eyes are blue. I'm like, well, that's accurate. Not today, but that's pretty accurate normally. And it goes down and goes down. Well, the very last one it says the thing that I love most about my mom is that she's married to my dad. <laughs> Total failure as a mother. <laughs> Sadly, I let that dictate where I'm at. I kind of look at it as a gauge of how I'm doing, but this year kind of felt like a failure. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to talk about families today. I, God instituted families from the very beginning of time. Um, just from Adam and Eve, from Genesis to Revelation, families are heavily involved. And I just so much believe in le building legacy, and it starts with the family. It's part of the Great Commission where it says, go and make ye disciples in all the world. It starts with the family. Um, we're united. We're intended for the promised land. Um, so God, God's plan is to bring all he sets into motion, all of it has to deal with families. So we're going to talk about the Israelites. Um, I feel like an old soul. I guess that's why I like the story of the Israelites, because I feel like I'm just kind of an old soul. I love family tradition, and I just love everything that goes along with it. So God has um, this, this chosen people, and they're intended for the promised land. God has a huge plan for these people's lives. But through the journey, they've discovered that they have great victories, they have highs, but they also have 
these great tragedies and these failures. So we have, we have purpose in pursuing what God's plan is for our, for our lives. That's our direction. But through the course of time, through their great tragedies and their failures and their victories, they find themselves in Egypt as slaves, which is opposition to God's plan. That's opposition to his plan for our life. He is, we are not intended for any kind of slavery, only to be bond servants to our Lord Jesus Christ. So they are in slavery until Moses hits the scene. I, I love it in Hebrews 11. This is called the faith chapter. It's got all the faiths in it. And um, let's see. Let's turn there real quick to um, Hebrews 11, which says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Let me just tell you right now, if, you, if it hasn't happened, if what God's promise hasn't happened in your life, is it possible that you're hidden? Is it possible that you're hidden because it's something beautiful that God has for your life and it's not yet time for it? But it's coming and it's beautiful. And that's the first thing that, that his parents saw about their promise. A child represents promise in the Bible and it says that he was beautiful. They saw it. They saw everything that, that the Lord had for him and they were not willing to get rid of that because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy your promise. And he's tried to do it for 6,000 plus years. So why would he not try to do that in your life right now? It also says that they did not fear Pharaoh, especially as parents. I find myself in fear, I don't know if you all do too, of what could happen to my children. Anytime I leave the house, I think of what could happen to them. And it's always worst case scenario, right? It always ends in death. I know every time I leave the house, every time I'm going to do something, I'm like, okay, well, they could die. They could die today. <laughs> And that is not faith. That's why I'm not in the faith chapter, right? So I did have a situation one time where I lost Brightly. And I was, happened to be babysitting another child at the time. And it's time to go pick up my other children from school. And I'm like, okay, where's Brightly? Where's Briley? So I, I'm running around screaming in the house. And I think, okay, she's got to be outside. So I run outside real quick. No, she couldn't have got outside because all the doors are locked. So I run back inside, and this went on, it seemed, for like hours. I'm sure it was only five minutes. But um, long story short, she was, high, she was in my bed asleep. Covers completely over. She was laying so flat that I could not see her. Worst two minutes of my life. But fear, fear has such a hold on us sometimes. And so I love it that his parents did not fear Pharaoh, the one that had the power to put him to death. They, he, in fact, he was putting to death all the baby boys of that generation. And they overcame fear. So because of his parents, because of his parents, he lived to save a whole nation of people and he led them to the promised land, the, the will of the Father. So let's go ahead and turn to Numbers, Numbers 10 in verse 11. And it says, in the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud settled down on the wilderness of Paran. 
They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. The standard of the camp of the people of Judah set out first by their companies. And over the company of Nashon, the son of Amminadab. In the, okay, I already read that. They are in the wilderness of Sinai. They've been set free for about 10 minutes. So they, and they are setting out in stages. Judah is the first tribe to leave out, which means praise. And the last tribe to come out was Dan, their closing camp, and that's judgment. Anyone feel like judgment is chasing them down all the time? But as long as praise is leading the way, judgment can't catch you. It can't catch you. I love also that the cloud goes before them by day and the fire at night. The cloud representing covering. God is covering you. Every time you go out, every time I leave that house, I need to proclaim that the covering is over me and my children. And the fire at night... Psalms 91 says that we shall not fear the terrors of night. He is our protector. He is our protection, and he lights up the darkness. So as long as we are about to head out, or they're going, they're about to head out, right? And they're doing it in stages, just like families. So we are living life. We are going about. It's not just our family. It is families, and we are all headed in the right direction. So they're about to head out, and Moses stops to talk to his brother-in-law, um, Hobab. In t- verse 29, 32, it says, And Moses said to Habob, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will do good to you, for the Lord has promised good to Israel. But he said to them, I will not go. I will depart my own land into my kindred. And he said, Please do not leave us, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. And if you do go with us, whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same he will do to you. He pleads with his brother-in-law. How many of you know that sometimes family gives us the worst sting? It's the truth, but it's like Bo says, we're porcupines. We're going to poke each other. So sometimes it just stings. But those are the people that are closest to you. And, and you know, I, I do love how in Proverbs it says that the, you know, better, better a wound from a friend than a, than a kiss from an enemy, right? So... Sometimes our, our family can actually hurt us the most, but I don't know that that's the intention. But he pleads with his brother to come with him. If God can do it for me, he'll do it for you too. I know that in life, if God can heal me, he can do it for you too. If he can bring resurrection to, to an, an anything, then he'll do it for you too. So, but he still says, I won't go. I won't go. In fact, people aren't always going to go where you're going to. Sometimes we have to leave friends behind for a season if they're not willing to step it up and go to the promised land in the plan of our lives that that God wants us to go. So why is it that he declined such an incredible offer though? At this point, it was just a three days journey. They hadn't even yet gotten into the the hours and the years that it's gonna take them to go to the promised land. They, they haven't even began to go there. But not everybody will go deeper in God, or at the very least, at the same pace. But when God says go, you have to go. 
In chapter 11, we catch our first glimpse of road rage. Anybody else suffer from road rage? Anyone have kids on a trip? That is not a joyous occasion. In fact, we try to travel at night. We do that often. That's not actually usually for the kids. That's usually for me because Mr. doesn't ever shut up. And I like to sleep. So that's why we really travel at night so I can sleep. I remember going through Wyoming one time and he kept saying, oh, that's the most beautiful place ever. I couldn't keep my eyes open for two seconds because it was in every minute he was going, oh, there's antelope. Oh, look at the antelope over there. Oh, look at these hills. And I'm like, would you just stop talking so I could sleep? So I don't really remember anything about Wyoming other than him just saying, oh, look at the antelope. But yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, and then there's always the, he touched me, she's eating my snacks, you know, all those joyous things. <laughs> all right, so verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 1. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Ooh, ugh. anybody ever complain about their misfortunes? Not only did they complain about their misfortunes, they complained in the presence of the Lord. How, how often do we do that? We know that he's omnipresent. We know that he's with us all the time. So anytime we're complaining, he's hearing it. So we are so guilty of this all the time. In the presence of the Lord, they complained about their misfortunes. You have been saved from slavery for about 10 minutes, and you're complaining. Uh, we were shopping the other day, and I'd gotten Jason a new pair of shoes. And, of course, Brian, she's like, why did Jace get new pairs of shoes, and I didn't? And I said, Briley, have you not forgotten? Didn't I just buy you an entire outfit last week? <laughs> But I think sometimes we have forgotten about the things that God has done. And they are, oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me. Because the newness has worn off. And now every day is getting a little bit harder. The terrain is getting a little bit harder. They don't know exactly where they're going. They know that it's about a three-day journey. But when they look around, all it is is wilderness. And because of their mistreatment in Egypt... They've got trust issues. We got trust issues, right? I, don't, I think if I asked who all in this room has been hurt, every single one of us would raise our hands. And we've heard as previous weeks that hurting people hurt people. So they, they have trust issues with God and with Moses. And it says that the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts. When we start sulking, is when judgment gets closer to our camp, right? Judgment catches up when our praise stops. So it's believed that those that camped in the outer line and maybe even outside of the line, because Dan was the last tribe, it was probably them that got, some of them that got burned up, right? When we complain, when we murmur, those that are on the line, we've all got those family members and friends, they're kind of on the line with Jesus. They're kind of on the line with God. Those are the ones that are going to suffer. They're the ones that get burnt up because of our complaining and our murmuring when we're inside the camp of the Lord. They're going to burn up on religion and on the church, and it's our fault. So control our tongues. 
It's one of my favorite subjects that I really try hard. There's a little tiny book out there called Hung by the Tongue. It's an old book, but it's a goodie, an oldie but goodie. But stop the talk because it doesn't just affect your family. It's going to affect the next family over and the next family over and then the next family over until that outer line is all burnt up. Mm-hmm. 11.4 says, Moses puts out the fire. Let's see. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept and said, Oh, that we had, meant, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all to look at but this manna. The rabble, the riffraff. You ever heard that? The mixed multitude. I just love how my version says a rabble because it refers to the people that they may have picked up along the way. They were pretty generous people. So if they saw someone along the way, they usually let them jump on camp. They also um, may have been referring to Hebrew women with Egyptian fathers. So more of a, just a mixed bloodline. So pretty much any bloodline that was not from Israel. Uh, Several times they allowed outsiders to come into their camp. But it was never a good thing. It was always that they introduced him to another god or something that would bring them to their demise. So it rarely worked out for them. Um, So I'm just telling you, be careful about who you let in your company. Be careful who you let in your inner circle. Because even Jesus didn't let everyone into his inner circle. He had the multitudes. He ministered to the multitudes. And then he had his 12, but then he had his three. So be careful who you let into your inner circle. Because they'll bring in other things that you might not want. And they lead you on a detour to destruction. It said they remembered the fish that cost them nothing. Do you think it cost them nothing? It cost them everything. It cost them everything. But sometimes I think we look back on our highlight reel. We have this highlight reel of, well, for example, how many of you had two babies? Anybody have more than one baby? Why? <laughs> Why would anyone ever do that? <laughs> we had four, but you know, sometime around two years old, I look back and I think, oh, I think I'd like to do this again. But I don't remember what it takes to get from belly to arms. Because that's the process that is very uncomfortable. But sometimes we look back and we just see those highlights. But reality check for them, it costs them everything. It cost them physical labor. It cost them beatings. It cost them their own lives. And it cost generations of promises and babies during Moses' birth year. And the intended purpose was to take out the promised land. Not just for you all, or for them all, but for us. For eternity was the problem. He was trying to get rid of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords even during that time. Do you ever feel like it's just one thing after another. Who all said that? It's just one thing after another. When it rains, it pours. It comes in threes. Things like that. And you finally reach the end of your rope. We're going to go to verse 10. 11 verse 10. 
says, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. And Moses was displeased. They wanted to be heard. They were at the, the entrance to their tent. Sometimes we think, oh, we just want to be heard. We just want, we just want people to understand what we're going through. They intended on being heard. They didn't hide it. They didn't hide it from Moses, and they certainly didn't hide it from God. But you know what? It ought to displease us if we hear something that would displease the Lord. When we hear grumbling, when we hear gossiping, and we don't stop it, that should displease us because it displeases our Father. And Psalms 105.15 says, Touch not our anointed. There's not one of you out there that's not anointed that we should not touch. But this was Moses' breaking point. He has had it. He says, God, why do you find such displeasure with me to put all these people's burdens on me? Why am I the one that has to take care of them? And he cries and he cries and he cries. And, and God has a heart to heart with him. And he just tells God, I can't do it. I can't do it alone. I need help. This burden is too heavy. I'm sure he felt like a failure because a three-day journey is already taken more than that. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's feeling the lows of the lows of the lows. And it's just like us to wait until we hit the bottom, right, before we cry out to God. So God, having mercy on him, he takes some of the spirit. He tells him, go find the 70. There's 70 elders among you that can help you. Go out there, find them, round them up, and I'm going to put my spirit on them. So he rounds them up, and God takes some of the spirit that's on Moses, and he distributes it to the 70. And here's another example of the great commission of going and making disciples. Uh, I thought of a story the other day, and it's about a dog and a trainer, and, and this guy, he has his, his puppy, and everybody loves their puppies because they're so cute, and they're so cuddly until they start misbehaving, right? So he decides, well, I'm going to take this dog to the trainer, and he's going to work with him, and he's going to get him all nice and tuned up, and he's going to be the best dog ever. So he signs up for this eight-week class. He pays the money. They go. He comes home discouraged every single day, and two weeks in, he quits. And his wife says, well, why in the world would you pay the money and then quit? And he says, well, you know what? I went, and that trainer, he never worked with that dog. He never did one thing with the dog. To which the wife replied, then who's the problem? The dog's not getting any better. You're not getting any better. But who's responsible for training the dog? The trainer doesn't know anything about the dog. He doesn't live with the dog. Who lives with the dog? The owner does. I want to relay that to your children. Y'all live with your children. You know how they act. Who's better to train their children than you? Is it easier to train the multitudes of children or the one training the children? Way more in intimate. So you're responsible for yourself first and then the ones entrusted to you. Let's put on our oxygen masks. How many of you heard that spiel? Put on your own oxygen mask first and then help the people that are with you. That's how it is with training others. Not specifically even your children, but just training others. Uh, and fathers... Lead your families. 
Wives, let them do it because they were created to do it. So when allowed to do what you're created to do, they'll flourish in it. And then mothers and fathers, teach your kids kingdom principles. It's no one else's responsibility but yours. This is one of my very favorite things. Finances. Teach them how to write a check. Teach them how to save, how to spend, and how to tithe. These are all things that if you don't teach them, who's going to? Who's going to? Do you have a skill? What is your skill? Again, being an old soul, I think, oh, it would be fun to learn how to sew. I have no idea how to sew. <laughs> Probably will never learn. But teach your kids your skills. They will enjoy that and then get them in church. I played so much ball in my life and I loved it. Looking back, it was definitely a highlight. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And then went and played four years college volleyball. Again, another highlight. And I remember flipping out at the end of that career because I'm thinking, this is what I'm good at. What's next? Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do next because this has been my life. So get them in church because eternity is a lot more than four years of ball. <sighs> and we could all confidently say that the joy, our greatest joy would be seeing our kids serving the Lord, can't we? Mm -hmm. Hannah, which is one of my favorite stories, wanted nothing more than that. In fact, it consumed her every being. She did everything she could in her power, including giving her husband her servant to have kids. I don't think it fulfilled her, and it certainly didn't make matters any better. It wasn't until she went to the temple and gave it all to God that she received her promise of a son. She gave it all. Her dream of having a son didn't change, but her motive did. Because God needed a boy that could shake a nation. He needed a boy that could shake a nation. And he intends to fill all that he had to do. So he had to get a hold of her heart and change her motives in order to let her promise be born. Remember, it's hidden. It's hidden until the perfect time. But our part, our part is living a lifestyle of courage that honors God. One of my other favorite verses is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to, the, to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. That is awesome because if we're waiting for Pastor Clinton to give the best altar call, it's kind of too late. <laughs> I'm Riley's seven. She was six years old, and we were driving down the road, just going home. We often have our most interesting conversations in the car. Um, I've talked about how babies are born about 15 times already. It's usually Riley. <laughs> and this particular time, we were just talking. We are just talking about the things of God. And she says, do I have Jesus in my heart? I mean, conversation stopped. Do I have Jesus in my heart? I said, well, sis, let's just do that right now and make sure. And we, we talked about it. We prayed. And she said, Mom, I really wanted to cry right now. 
but I didn't. And I said, oh, sis, you cry as much as you want. And so that's what I'm talking about. When you are driving down the road, when you are eating a cheeseburger, no matter what you're doing, it is the perfect opportunity to talk about God and the things of God. God's going to do the bulk of the work. You just must only be willing. Psalms 111.6 reads, He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The work of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. God enables us to do what he's promised to do. We have this conversation with my kids all the time. But Mom, why? Why can't I do that? And I'm like, because I'm the mom. And I said so. <laughs> and that's how it is with God. When we don't understand why something can or can't happen, he's saying, because I'm God. That's why I intend to fulfill my promises. Same is true with him. Where God guides, he provides. We're going to hop back to Numbers 30, 11, 31. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up, and it brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp, about a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side around the camp, and about two cubits above the ground. And the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day and gathered the quail. Those who gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. While the, oh, we're going to stop right there. All right, so God had provided them with the manna. It was there every nightfall. They didn't have to do a single thing. It was perfect food. There was no work. There was no expectations. They were at rest because it fell at the evening. So they were at rest even when God brought it. And it was fresh every single day. We didn't have to wonder whether or not it was going to be there. We never have to wonder if God's going to be there in the next day. And he's going to bring exactly what you need. I love how he says, God, give us our daily bread. Our daily bread. Because God is providing and he will provide for you. He's in fact, he is providing when the craving hits the camp. It wasn't a time of famine. They weren't starving, but the craving hit. It hits us today, I feel like, in the form of drama. We've had so much of it, we don't know how to function without it, right? So sometimes we create. We can create things that aren't there because we don't know how to function. Old addictions, we all have them. They're various. Doesn't matter what it is. If you've had an addiction, it's always going to be there unless... You know, God, he can do miracles in that. The Israelites, one of theirs was giants. Giants. They had encountered giants several times, and they always overcame. But then the giants always came back. Sometimes they come back, and you have to fight, you have to fight it, and you have to deal with it. They had trust issues, or we have trust issues, because of our past. Trouble relating to others and sometimes to God because of it. So the cravings of the old things hit them. And they cried out to Moses, give us meat, give us meat so that we can eat. Their first mistake is that they went to Moses. They didn't even go to God. They went to Moses and said, feed us, feed us, we need meat. Secondly, the word says that we cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the, the mouth of God. 
that's they were creating or create craving meat instead of the things of God. Proverbs 10:3 says the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Worship team go ahead and come on up. Mhm, that is good stuff. All right, we're going to go to verse 31 and 32 and 11. All right, we read, already read that. So it cost them, what, what this cost them when, the, when God delivered the quail to them? It cost them their position. It took them at least, we read, two days time from moving forward. They had to go to the outside of the camp to get it on either side, and it cost them two days. This, remember, this is only a three-day journey, right? And they've already wasted two of it just collecting. I pray for my kids daily. God, don't let them go to the left. Don't let them go to the right. But keep them on the path that you have designed for them. It, it not only cost them time, it cost them rest. Now, instead of sleeping all night and getting up and collecting and gathering the manna, they are gathering it themselves. It's costing them rest because they're going at nighttime. It cost them to think only of themselves. It says that they, they spread it out. Um, Actually, they spread out for themselves all around camp. While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it consumed, the, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people. And the people struck down, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of that place was called Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people with the craving. They had spread out a great plague, not even knowing. It was disguised as quail. It was disguised as something good. The word says that, that the enemy comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. So be careful. Be careful what you're looking at. It may look like it's appetizing, but it's completely void of the nutrition that God wants to give you. It says they buried the people with the craving at Hebroth Hatava, which is graves of lust. What are you indulging in that will, that will not promote you and it's going to lead you to the grave? Be careful. Be careful. And then they kept on their journey to Hazaroth. They made several stops during their travels, but you know some never took a step closer. They buried the people. They left Hobab. People aren't always going to go as deep as you, or at least not, at the very least, at not the same pace. But it was promised, it was promised, but several decisions and several detours kept them from ever entering fully into it. Pastor Boer Clinton's going to come up, one of you here in a second. But before they do, I just want to leave you with this thought. The Israelites continued to struggle. They, again, they had some great victories throughout their travels, but they had some failures. But I'd say if they had one struggle, it was learning how to live in the world, but not of the world. And the same is true for us today. The one, but the one thing that remains the same is that God forgave them mess up after mess up after mess up, after mess up. He never forsake them, never forsake them. And you better believe that he'll do the same for you. He did it yesterday, he forgave you. 
He'll do it today. He forgives you. And he'll do it tomorrow. He will always forgive you, no matter what. for a whole bunch of reasons. I love that when we allow the when we allow praise to lead us, judgment can never catch us. Come on somebody. When we follow the fire at night, when we follow the cloud at day, can I tell you there's covering for us. There's protection for us. There's the, everything we need is found in his love, in his covering. But I love, I love that close and how when the quail came, it says they, it, it landed outside the camp. And I thought, how often is Pastor Megan shared? Do I leave that covering? Do I leave the camp? Do I leave the protection of God for what I want? How often am I, am I leaving? What, am I leaving his promise to gather what I want? Now the truth is, guys, we can't have both. You can't have it your way and have it God's way. Because if you could have, the quail would have landed in their tent. Come on, somebody. See, the problem is we got to choose. And I feel like there's a lot of us today, we've been looking outside the camp to find the, the, the future or the promise that God has for us. Can I tell you, the promise is in the camp all the time. Can I tell you that hope is in the camp of God all the time? Can I tell you that peace is in the camp of God all the time? And we're hunting. We're quail hunting. We're quail hunting for a relationship, saying, oh God, if I just had him, God's going, do you understand? He'll kill you. But God, if I just had this job, no, 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 that job will ruin your marriage. Don't take that job. It's outside my presence. Follow my leading. Follow my, follow my heart for your life. I need you to trust my word over what you see. I need you to trust my heart, trust my leadership, trust my guidance, even when it doesn't make sense. Guys, the future of your legacy, the future of your family, the future of everything you ever need. It's always found in the camp. It's always found in the camp. Would you bow your eyes all over the place? Lord, I thank you that no longer, I, can, I can't speak for everyone else. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord. So as for me and my house, I'm done looking outside the camp for something that can bring, that, that, that can bring joy. I'm done looking outside the camp of something that could bring peace because you, oh God, are the peace that passes all understanding. You are the joy. Uh, your joy is my strength. And even when sorrow lasts for the night, if I don't pursue things outside the camp, if I don't pursue things outside of your covering, outside of your promise, outside of your protection, I know that those sorrow may last for the night. Joy shows up when I wake up. Joy is waiting on me when I come to my senses, when I wake up. If you're here right now and you've been searching outside the camp, You've been looking outside, outside of, of his word or his protection, or his love for things to fulfill. Can I tell you, he's today saying, just come back in. Today he's saying, just come back in the camp right now. 
So the first thing I want to say, if you're here and, and your heart's not right with Jesus Christ, as Pastor Megan said, he forgave, he forgives, and he will always forgive. So if you're here and your heart's not right with him, the Bible says all we have to do is ask. He's faithful and just to forgive us of everything we've ever done or will do. And we come into relationship with him at that moment. So if that's you and you're ready to surrender your life to him, would you just pray this prayer with me? And maybe you're watching online right now. And you're sitting at home in your PJs. That's okay. Pray this prayer with us right now. Jesus, I messed up. I've been outside the camp. But I know your love, it rescues me. You died on the cross for me. Forgive me of everything I've ever done. Come into my life and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. No one's looking around right now, but if that was you and you prayed that prayer and asked Jesus into your heart, would you just stick your hand up? Just stick your hand up right where you're at. We just want to celebrate with you. Come on, I got someone coming to you. Who else? Is there anyone else? Church, this is why we do what we do. Come on, somebody. Is there anyone else? Come on, somebody. Is there anybody else right now? Yeah, in the back, Donna, in the back, in the back. Yeah, back corner. Who else? Is there anybody else right now that said, man, I, I made a decision today? Come on, somebody. But before we celebrate, before we celebrate, if you found yourself just wandering outside of the camp for hope, if you love the Lord, but you found yourself looking outside it for health, you've looked outside of it for relationships, if you found yourself just wandering outside of the camp and you're ready to step back in right where you're at and I'm up right now, I'm responding. Would you just get on your feet as we worship? If that's you, would you just rise up and say, I'm coming back? Would you just declare to the powers of darkness that all oh, you may have wandered, but today you're coming back. Nothing any longer would keep you outside of the camp of the Lord. Don't click out just yet. We're so excited that you could join us today. Don't forget to like and share this message. And also subscribe to our podcast channel so that the latest message is always waiting on you. If this ministry has had an impact on your life, we would love to connect with you via social media on Instagram and Facebook. We would also love to see you in person at one of our many locations. For service times and locations or to give to this ministry, you can download our app or visit us online at www.thehill.us. We can't wait to hear from you and all that God is doing in your life. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next time right here on The Hill Podcast.